Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Jacqueline Sanders Blackman, and this is another episode in our series, One Slide at a Time. And if you've been following this series, we're on about episode 25. At this particular episode, I take one slide out of one of my previous trainings or webinars or uh, presentations, and I do a deep dive on just one specific slide. If you've been with us from the, the beginning, you know we've been building upon uh, the, the topic and basically kind of slicing the different topics. And when you string them all together, you have the whole cake, so to speak. If you're looking at our archives, you'll notice that episodes 21 through 25 are now available. But what we do for our earlier episodes Every 60 days, we retire um, our previous episodes. But you can still get access to those through our different membership plans, starting from a, a la carte pay-as-you-go all the way up if you want to commit to the, the full year of following us and having access. And our memberships also include access to our mural boards, access to our YouTube channel, to our template library, uh, and, and other resources to help support you in your continuous improvement, your Agile journey, and even your own personal professional development. So that's just a little uh, framework around if you are looking for those additional episodes. Now, let's pivot and focus on our slide for this episode. And this one is a quite involved slide. So if you're just listening to the, the podcast, you definitely want to go back and go to the site and at some point pull up the slide and look at it or be looking at it um, and tying it to what I'm getting ready to explain. Behind a user story, and anyone who's writing a user story, is really some foundational concepts of business requirements. Previously, there has been a deep body of knowledge around business requirements. And there's even an organization that is just as well established as the PMI organization. 
It's known as the IIBA, the International Institute of Business Analysis. Um, and I'm a, a member and a, a certified uh, professional business analyst through that organization. Just like the PMBOK, the PM Body of Knowledge, there's a BA Body of Knowledge. And so all of this is laid out as far as business requirements. Over the years of collecting that, that body of knowledge that provides you with insight on uh, level of details and different tools and techniques for eliciting requirements, for managing requirements, for uh, reconciling and analyzing, uh, documenting and communicating requirements. All of that is available in this body of knowledge. And in the many years that that information was collected, it was in a time where the waterfall approach was the de facto approach. And in waterfall, you took months, many months sometimes, and even a year to document the requirements. And then you handed it off to the technical team and then there might've been a, a, a period where they documented the technical requirements. And then ultimately you begin building it. So this was a very long, somewhat drawn out process. So when Agile came along, and even at that point, because I was, I was there when the Agile, there were first rumors and conversations about Agile, the idea was that requirements phase, it's taking so long before we can get to creating the, the solution. And then therefore the customer, by the time you have the solution, the customer either has resolved the problem or they've got 10 other problems that are even more pressing. So Agile was meant to really kind of shorten that timeline of from the time we understood that there was a problem that needed to be solved and providing some form of a solution, even if it's not the whole solution, just something to relieve the pain or to take advantage of the opportunity as quickly as possible. So time became the essence. So in doing so, you have the user story. So what, the, what we had to do was take all our knowledge about what we know about business requirements and find a way to find concise little bite-sized ways of capturing those. Of course, the, the well-known um, artifact that we use is the user story. And so, but behind the user story is the acceptance criteria. And there's this careful balance about having just enough information that everybody has a good understanding of the story, but still leaving it open for further conversation and elaboration. And so one of the things as I go deeper into business requirements and and share with you some of that knowledge from the BA body of knowledge and years of experience in, in business analysis in both the waterfall world and in the agile world, translating the two. It's just first understanding is that yes, the user story is meant to be lightweight, but also know that you, a, a developer or engineer is not 
to take a story and build the solution without conversation. There's actually even a, a, a mnemonic, the easy way to kind of remember. It's called the three C's. Card, conversation, and confirmation. So those three are always together. They're not to be separated. So even though you have a user story that's concise, and, and originally it was intended to go on an index card, that's where the first C comes from. But that card is supposed to be accompanied with many iterative conversations. And from those conversations, you have those the confirmation in the form of acceptance criteria. Those are what tells you what is required for that story to be deemed complete. So in acceptance criteria, aren't aren't one-for-one one match with requirements. Some of those requirements are the things that get generated out of the conversation. And we used to refer to them as just whiteboard requirements. Once we, as a team, picked a story to pull in the sprint, we would look at those acceptance criteria and then we'd have a whiteboard and I know in today's world, so many of our teams are now remote and virtual. So me talking about a whiteboard sounds old school. But the reality is we have great tools like Mural. That's one of my, my favorite that acts just like a whiteboard. You can do stickies and you can draw things and they have templates and they literally have whiteboards that you can share via your Zoom calls. So going to this even in this case, a virtual whiteboard to talk through the acceptance criteria. That's the requirements are both the what, but then also you're taking it to the point where you can translate that into the how. How are we going to implement this solution? So in the, the, the slide, getting now to specifically to the slide, because all of that, believe it or not, was really kind of building up to that and just kind of connecting the dots between old school requirements and now today where they're a lot more casual, I would say. They're more whiteboard requirements, but how they relate and tie to the user story is by way of the acceptance criteria. So, so now stepping those through. And, and when you look at my slide, I've got four blocks across the top that they're both, I'm showing you that requirements, they have kind of a vertical slicing, and then there's also a horizontal slicing. Across the top as, as columns, I have the why, the what, and the how. And the most important thing is, is that you can map these old school categories of requirement types and categories to what you're doing today. So for example, the why part of requirements really gets flushed out in your epic, your business case, your hypothesis. That's your why. The next kind of slice is the what. That's when you take your epic and you break it into user stories. And then 
between, kind of wedged between the what and the how is the acceptance criteria that says these are the things that you will need to be able to test. You will be able to demonstrate when this story is, is finished being engineered. So then taking those acceptance criteria and turning those into whiteboard requirements, which says, okay, what does that look and feel like? You, and that thing gets into your front-end design, your database layer, your communications layer, your back-end, all those different pieces. And the, and, and the breakdown of how we capture a lot of, of the activities that happen on Teams, we would call those tasks and subtasks. Those are your hows, Okay. The biggest thing that I that I would I do want you to take away is that your acceptance criteria should not be mistaken or even look like or sound like task or subtask. Acceptance criteria should be in the language of the business. Something that I need to be able to do that I'm that this new story is going to allow me to do. So and some um, groups use the need the to be able to. Um, now, I also talked about that there was kind of a horizontal slicing of requirements because I just recently was asked the question, are requirements at a higher level than acceptance criteria? Well, the real answer is that that depends because requirements is a broad framework that includes high-level requirements, mid-level requirements, and detail requirements. Because as you're, you're breaking down in what we know and call progressive elaboration, you're going from kind of the broad business perspective. What does the business need? What is the business trying to achieve? And then bundled in business requirements are things like your SMART objectives. And then you peel back from the business need and to the user requirements because most of the business goals that we're trying to achieve are by way of satisfying the needs and wants of a user so that either we attract more users, more transactions, get more paid accounts, or whatever those, those business goals are. So when you go from the business requirement, that's the high level, then you have the user requirement, that's the mid-level, and then you start getting detail, then you start bridging between what we're trying to do and the, the how. Now, this is one thing that may shock some people, um, and it's a, a, a way of thinking, and again, being in the industry, I've watched this evolution. There used to be strict rules that kind of separated. The business is just supposed to tell us what they want and the technical team, the engineering team will focus on the how. The lines are getting very blurred because, and I'm gonna say that this is a good thing, the, the person that is the voice of the customer, that might be your product owner or your product manager, they now are sitting on the floor and interacting with the technical team um, much closer. And again, the virtual world, even though we're not sitting on the floor, 
the bottom line is that they're interacting more. In some cases, they're even coming from technical backgrounds. So they do kind of weigh in on the how. What I'm going to encourage the engineers to kind of step back and realize that's not a bad thing. We just have much more sophisticated um, product owners and product managers uh, than we did five, ten years ago. And that's a, that's a good thing. There used to be, again, like I said, this is clear separation um, between the two worlds. Now, where I see the, the teams that are making the, the best strides and coming out with the best solutions is maybe some of those suggestions from the business, they have some validity or they're at least worth exploring. Now, if it can't work out that way, try to take away from it what their thought process is or what their intent is, but then take it to a next level and offer an alternative that marries the best of both worlds. Because I've seen with my own eyes, engineering teams reject ideas just because it came from the business or just shuts them out of the process altogether. Just even having the opportunity just to be in the room together sometimes and just to kick ideas uh, around. I've sometimes come up with ideas from just bouncing off of someone that has no idea actually it, what the specifics are of what I'm talking about, but it might be just some innocent question that they ask that as I talk it through, it triggers in me a new idea or a new perspective. So allow that process to, to happen, to, to allow product managers or product uh, owners, someone for the business, subject matter experts, to throw out some ideas and at least acknowledge them as just suggestions. They're not saying that you throw out your years of technical expertise and just do it their way but just bridging that a, a little bit more and not making it black and white. Because there's been many times as a agile coach, people have wanted me to referee that conversation and say, they shouldn't be telling us the how. That whole mindset in and of itself is a little bit passe. I'm seeing where teams are embracing it and it's, there's been a lot of success. Now, let me just wrap this up by taking this back to, to the, the slide at hand here. There also are three bars in the, the middle that talk to, when we talk about requirements, there are needs, there are the wants, there's the, the ideal prioritization. And with that is that, again, when you're identifying the acceptance criteria, even within the acceptance criteria, there's often an MVP step that you can think of a lot of things that would you could put within the story, but, and this is where the whole idea of slicing the stories. Oftentimes that brainstorming process, let that happen, and but then evaluate and separate between what is really the needs, which is the 
the, the, the require the base and what are the the wants and or what are the optional aspects of the acceptance criteria um, so again those two often get mixed up in really in a lightweight story the acceptance criteria should be somewhere between five maybe no more than um, seven seven or seven let's say uh, is a, a, a good safe number for acceptance criteria there used to be what we say five plus or minus two but stay somewhere in the that range with your acceptance criteria requirements also there is the current state versus the the future state and you'll notice that they're kind of the, at the bookends at the top and the bottom of the, the, the picture um, in this particular slide that we're talking to. And my main point about wanting to point that out is sometimes you have to know where you are, what's the current state, and even some of the backstory behind the current state, and also know where you're going in order to refine and test your requirements and to make sure that you are have both of those views in sight. Almost looking at it also as you've got to look at what's upstream and you've got to look what's downstream to know what you need to incorporate into your requirements. So again, this is just a 15 minute more, a 15 minute more or less kind of deep dive into this area of business analysis. But if you just take a visit to the IIBA.org and look through the body of knowledge, you'll quickly see that there's a lot to learn and know and a lot of great tools even that help you get and understand kind of the, the broad area of business requirements and it's one of and the intention is is to take and understand what all the different options are and then to find lightweight quick and easy versions of those to use and apply in an agile environment it doesn't have to be this prescriptive approach where you use each and every tool in a particular order um, that we did back in Waterfall. But do know that there are great nuggets still out there to help you understand how to take a problem, how to dissect it, how to look at it, how to cross-reference, cross-check it, to make sure and to help you from the heartache of missing requirements. So taking all that into account, trust me, especially with my background in business analysis, this won't be our last conversation on business requirements, but do look at the slide and also the description area for some additional references to continue your exploration. So I hope maybe this kind of sparked your interest to continue with the, the research. And with that, that ends this segment. Thanks as always for joining.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.